So you know sometimes when I fail to prepare a, a cavern of lies like the other week, we yeah. play Sweeten the Deal. Uh-huh. The game where you have to, to talk, negotiate someone into a position where they'd pay for something awful. Yeah, I'm familiar with Sweeten the Deal, yeah. Well, we won't be playing it anymore because uh, I don't think anyone can top paying $44 billion for the world's biggest hate site about yourself. <laughs> Current events, baby. That's excellent, wasn't it? I saw a good tweet this morning that was like, um, us all being on Twitter is like uh, playing as the Titanic is going down, except we're all making fun of the iceberg and the iceberg is genuinely getting mad about it. <laughs> Welcome, listener, to this episode 207 of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. My name is Alice Bell, and as you can hear, I'm, I'm sounding very sexy this week, because I have a sore throat. I thought you meant uh, to because you're halfway turned into a wolf. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> I'd like that. And I'm also joined by a lobster with a gun. Wow, what kind of gun? A pistol? Uh, sort of a 1920s revolver. Oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I don't know what I was expecting, but that shocked me. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for being here, Nate. Uh, no Matthew, our third host this week, because he's very busy at his, his other proper job. <laughs> um, but uh, He's who- afraid of lols, that's what it is. He's afraid of a lobster with a gun, I expect. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Uh, but who better to discuss the games that make you feel really cool than Nate Crowley? You know? Oh, uh, How are you, Nate? Yeah, I'm good, actually. Um, good. Been doing a lot of walking around the house in the nude. Um, our house guest has uh, moved on to greener pastures. And while it was good... Um, yeah. I do like to walk around Starkers. Uh, this is interesting. I don't think this has come up before. You know, well, it's not like we're committed nudists as a family, but yeah. um, we do like not getting, being bothered to get dressed for as long as humanly possible. Uh, and that, of course, hasn't, you know, it's a, hasn't been possible by necessity uh, mm. for quite a while. So, yeah, just enjoying airing my balls. Gosh, it's a shame that Matthew isn't here because I imagine he'd have a lot of things to say about I bet, I bet he wouldn't be keen. I bet he wears a tuxedo to bed. Oh, he's like um, an avenue like off Arrested Development. Oh my goodness, that scene with him weeping in the shower. Just little Daisy Dukes. What a guy. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. I'm glad you've been getting in your nude days. <laughs> and I, I was in a parade of lights uh, at the weekend, which was charming. Lovely. 
well, a local community garden that just does nice little seasonal things. And for Diwali, they do a let's all like walk walk the earth with lanterns. Um, okay, which is wicked, yeah. We, I don't really have anything to report. Um, I've been playing Elden Ring, and uh, that's been terrifying. Uh, I have not been leaving the house because it. I think I've said before we are right on. Like looking out the window, I am looking at the sea. Um, it is about. I didn't realise that. Thirty feet away. Yeah, I love it. I'm right on the shipping lane as well. I take loads of pictures of big boats. Have um, you got the app that tells you what boats have yes. blessed your timeline? Yes. Uh, yeah, I know great, where they're it? going with it, like the cruise ship. What? So I live on uh, the second largest natural harbour in the world, the first being Sydney, and the big cruise ships can come right in to the harbour here, so they they pass right in front of my window. The season is over now because the weather is apocalyptic. It is it is war. It's really going for it. Hang on, uh, you can't just drop casual trivia like the second largest. Natural harbour in the world. I need to process this. What's a natural harbour? Um, well, it's, it's deepest, I should say, not large. It's a natural harbour as in man has not deepened it. Or, you know... Hang on, which, which side of Ireland are you on? Uh, well, I'm in Cork. So there's sort of, uh, if you're looking at it, I'm sort of bottom left. Not not oh. quite, not quite the, the fingers of Kerry sticking out into the sea. but um, Oh, I done yeah. goofed because I thought you were on the Irish Sea side. And I thought... No, the no, Irish no, Sea isn't that deep. I'm That's amazing. Staring straight down the barrel of the Atlantic, and let me tell you, it has been unloading for the past month. It has been nothing but thirty mile an hour winds. It's been so. That's why you get an Edmund Fitzgerald in every day. Yeah, and that I think that's why I sound very sexy because I had to walk to the doctors in a, basically a mild hurricane, <laughs> and I was walking up the hill. And some fella in like like a, a white man van, a white van man, basically. Oh God, um, he like leaned out and was like, "You shouldn't be out." <laughs> and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, he's your doctor now. I'm not. I'm not going for a walk. <laughs> what a not, what a lovely fellow, bless him. I know, yeah, but it it we're being terrorized by the weather. Basically, it's. Uh, it's non-stop I was going to go out the weekend because it was sunny for a second and literally as soon as I opened the front door it started hammering with rain again like God's joke actually it must be really mega for you because like even we had a, a table blown over in the garden last night yeah I think I basically beta test all the, the weather that you get in in the UK wow Passed that's through uh... me popular Irish opinion there, Ireland is a beta test for the UK, crikey I'll leave that I, one. Only for the weather <laughs> uh, No, Twitter has just given me a healthy respect for how much and how justifiably the Irish hate the English It's um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's sobering stuff They're very nice to me on an individual level but You're, you're uh, a nice human being. Thanks I don't think they, but I don't think like the Irish people automatically hate any individual English person just as a group yeah which and which it, is it, fair it is really shocking how little you're taught about atrocities 
in the English school system, just yeah. for the record. Like, yeah, we cannot overstate this enough. We learn about only the things when we were arguably the good guys, which functionally means poetry from World War One and World War Two, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's not just you, you, you American friends who are not taught the horrors. There are so many horrors. <laughs> Uh, anyway, talking of horrors, we're yeah. talking about really cool stuff this week. There was a good Elon Musk segue in there somewhere, wasn't there? Talking about really cool things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've saved ourselves hearing his name for the millionth time, so. Uh, so, yeah, uh, games that make you feel really cool. I... We'll be interested to see, A, whether you did the joke and have said, like, you know, Frostpunk or something. Um, and B, how you've chosen to interpret cool. Obviously, Age of Empires 2. Uh, no, I, I wanted to start off, actually, with a game that doesn't exist. Uh, because I thought about this a lot when I wrote my big book of games that don't exist. Okay, and this the game is... I- I think would make me feel coolest. I think it's the coolest feeling in the world is when you're eight and you're driving mm-hmm. along a motorway in the back seat and yeah. you're imagining like a bloke running really fast next to the car and like jumping over other cars and sometimes like maybe you know, kicking down a a sign pointing the way to West Yorkshire or you know you know what I mean? Yeah, I, my version of that was like I think. Just like an earthquake coming behind the car or whatever. Well, sometimes it can be a shark or something as well, eating Okay, cars. yeah. It can be yeah. many things to many people. But um, I think that would be... I don't, I, I don't want to venture a guess as to how easy, but it would certainly be a natural application for augmented reality. I think mm-hmm. that would be brilliant. Uh, speaking of augmented reality... I, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll put a bit in that because I don't know if I can allow you to say my favourite game that makes me feel cool is a game that doesn't exist. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, that was a bit of an impulsive add-in. I've got real ones. Uh, but Palmer Lucky, who invented the Oculus Rift, has now said he's designed basically, a, I guess, a jigsaw-esque <laughs> trap, like a VR headset that if you die in the game, you die in real life. What, has he become a supervillain then? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why one would bother to design it, but the idea is that if you see the game over screen, like some explosive charges in the helmet will obliterate your skull. Oh my, he hasn't actually made this horror, has he? I mean, I don't think so. One would hope not. I've Like, he, he said he's designed it. Is it know. an arrestable offence to, like, build a death trap, even if it has to be, like, voluntarily used? Um... Well, I don't know. It's certainly not an arrestable offence to be a big weirdo tech guy that should shut up. But uh, I didn't yeah. know he was that much of a, a madman. Well, I suppose he's, you know, he sold Oculus Rift, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. Goodness grief. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was a headline I saw today as we record this. <laughs> Oh, I suppose I could mention the game um, that my my handle this week is in reference to. Is that the crab fighting one? Crab fight, yeah. Um, it's well, never has a, a a game blessed me with such an easy explanation. It's a game where crabs fight. Yeah. Um, 
It's got the silliest control scheme in the world. Um, so it's kind of like those QWERTY games where half the fun is the lulls of trying to get a crab to, you know, to do anything. Mm. But, I mean, it lets you be a like skyscraper-sized lobster with a handgun. I mean, there you go. Does that make you feel cool? It makes me feel cool. Because you... Is that just because you like lobsters or? Yeah, I can't speak to reasonable human sensibilities here, but that's pretty much my apex ambition. Okay. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that humans will evolve a, you know, a shell, an exoskeleton? Well, does the arc of evolution curve towards crab? So have I have I bored you about the carcinization thing before? And may I now? Yes. On both counts, I think, probably. <laughs> okay, so just just as a, a, a brief summation then, like it's I love the idea that everything's evolving into crabs. The sad reality is it's just that crabs are very functional and have evolved several times within invertebrates. <laughs> but the good news is like, if you look at it really broadly, then there is a tendency for things to evolve towards the, the functional blueprint of a crab. So a turtle, for example, is mm. a dorsoventrally compressed, e.g. flattened reptile with a hard shell um, and, like, an ape. Yeah is a compressed monkey <laughs> with no tail. So there's a tendency for things to lose tails. Because mm-hmm. um, we used to-, to have one, didn't we? That's what a coccyx is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you lose your tail, you get flat, yeah. and you get armoured. Okay. So, like, I mean, the fact that we walk upright, you, you know, no, actually, that's just weird. But I guess it would be cool if we had shells like turtles. Because you know they're just like... It's really messed up. A turtle shell is just its ribs like hammered flat into a big dome. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's just a big bag of guts inside. And its ribs are on the outside. It's wild. Don't think but, about it too hard. You'll get ill. Well, so I, I accept absolutely, though, that, that crabs and lobsters are cool. But I don't know if being a crab would be cool. No, especially not with that control scheme. <laughs> what about um? Oh, what was that game called where you could put any music in it, and you're a wee little spaceship on a sort of um? That could be so many F zero or wipeout type crazy spo- floaty space racetrack, and like barriers and stuff would fly towards you, sort of like the notes in Guitar Hero. Did you uh, ever play that? Thumper? There's th- that's like a, that was in VR as well, but, but not just in VR. I think that was a PlayStation game, but it, it was like a, they called it a rhythm violence game, and you sort of looked like a little beetle. No, this was this definitely PC, because um, it would just work with whatever you had on Spotify or whatever. In that case, I I don't know if anyone listening can, I don't know, discern from Nate's description what that game is. Please identify. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because that's really cool. If you're playing it with like real bangers that you love. Yeah. Well, it's just wicked because you're flying a little spaceship. <laughs> it's really good music. It's interesting because I was trying to think, like initially I I thought of a lot of um, stealth immersive sims uh, that I think make you feel very cool. Like how would, do you think Hitman makes you feel cool, Ian Hitman? Now being Ian Hitman just makes me feel like a sort of bored god, but in a good way. Is that not cool? Uh... Maybe in a sort of Michael Moorcock end of time way. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because I'm not... The thing I'm always very aware of when I'm playing Hitman mm. is look, part of the fun for me is the old, uh, the old Ludd, the Ludo narrative dissonance, because yeah. I'm playing it like an imbecile, um, but an imbecile who knows he cannot truly die. All right, yeah, no, that's fair. Whereas the real Ian Hitman would be like doing everything incredibly efficiently and knowing that the stakes are, you know, drastically high. Mm. And he's had like years of training and, and all of that. So that would be cool. But unfortunately, I can't, I can't really mimic that. It's interesting, though, because a lot, of, a lot of games that do make you feel cool meet you in the middle on that front. You know, mm. either with little things like aim assist or like... Uh, God of War is a good example with the sort of ludicrous combo chains you can get yeah. into in that. Where or um, the the Batman punching games, yeah, um, welcome. And Shadow of Mordor, I think, was used the same system. Stuff that makes you just whip out long mental combos and feel like you've designed it yourself, <laughs> like up to including the animations, when in fact all you've done is really mash the buttons. I, I did a big article about uh, Shadow of Mordor because I found the in the uh, looks like meets back on the menu boys way that you find it fascinating that the implications are they have menus. Uh, I found the world implications in Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War fascinating because like, the, the main way to get promoted through the ranks of, you know, the Mordorian army was to kill this one dude. Which which isn't, it doesn't seem like a sustainable way to run an organisation, you know? Yeah, that's kind of, that's a dangerous economy to be in. Yeah, you know, and like imagine if you were like, some guy, you know, like imagine the classic sort of sitcom, like I'm going to get that promotion at the bank, honey, but then he doesn't get it. But it's like an orc coming home to his wife and two little orklets. And he's like, and he's like, I didn't get him today. Meets off the menu. Meets off he's the dead. menu. Yeah. <laughs> Zug Zug finally got him. <laughs> yeah. Now we'll never eat again. Yeah. Try again tomorrow, you know. Oh, I'd really like a sitcom about the orcs in Shadow of Mordor now. You yeah don't say that as if I I think that like pulling up the control panel of your brain, about five percent of its power is dedicated at all times to wanting a sitcom about orcs. Yeah, it's true actually, it's hardly a revelation. Yeah. But I want it just that little bit more now. Mm. But yeah, no, the the ones that I think are, are kind of cool would be like, yeah, Hitman, where you you know, you sort of feel like a a ghost. 
in the night. It's yeah, like, but that's hit. the thing. That this is that actually the point I never got around to making was that I don't think it helps you out enough with the competence. Really? What about Dishonored? I know we haven't mentioned Dishonored for quite a while. Oh yeah, the uh, the cooldowns expired on that. Let's fill our boots. Yeah, because we normally mention Dishonored. Yeah, that makes at least it once a week. Um, so, so Dishonored, yeah, is is I think one of the best stealth sims of all time in this big weird steampunk world where everyone's got a big face and massive hands, <laughs> and and it's a whale based economy, uh, and the way yeah you just can just sort of crawl through vents and perch on rooftops and I think it helps you out a lot more with the magic powers you get. That is one of the few stealth games I haven't just given up on in frustration. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I think that does a lot of work, you know, being able to like puppet people around or, you know, move into someone else's body or turn into smoke or teleport. The blink teleporting is really helpful. So I think it does a lot to help you out in that regard. I might uh, even argue it's not a particularly hard game. I think it's a hard game to do, like, well, if that makes sense. Like, you can get through it and feel, like, cool and, like, you've accomplished something, but then you look at, like, the amazing speedruns where someone has figured out the exact time and angle to fire a crossbow bolt into the sky so that by the time you get across to the other side of the map, it absolutely buries itself in some NPC's neck, that kind of thing. I suppose it's your classic sort of an hour to learn, a lifetime to master. Thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I haven't played Deathloop, but I imagine that would make you feel very cool. Slash trapped <laughs> in a, a never-ending kind of purgatorial hell. Who what FPS has given you the biggest sense of, of being a badass? Um, I was trying to think this, because in, in the, uh, the Immersive Sin vain i i did think about um uh mankind what's the one deus you're a robot deus ex yeah where you've got knife arms um but i discarded that because i don't think it it did make me feel very cool um and i i remember at the time actually i got annoyed because those people were talking about the whole thing in deus ex is that some people have augmentations and some people don't and uh you know, there's a whole kind of interesting economic angle where, like, you'd have to take it alone to get augmentations if you wanted to be better at, like, manual labor or whatever, fine. But then it did this whole kind of, like, allegory for racism thing where if you had augmentations, you had to stand in a certain section to leave the train station and stuff. And it does little attempts at immersion where if you leave the train station, you're standing in the wrong queue, you get stopped by the guards and there's a little cutscene and stuff. And I saw people genuine adults being like wow it, do you know what it kind of made me sort of know what it feels like to be racismed oh no really and it made me so angry <laughs> what are you talking about it's the equivalent oh. of dry, like you're you're a superhuman with knife arms who's partially like bulletproof <laughs> and can build a mod into you that just explodes from your chest I mean, it would shake up intersectional theory. Ridiculous. Um, But also, it it didn't really feel um, as kind of seamless and sleek and 
uh, c- cool as like a Dishonored or a, or a hit, Hitman to me. What about the, the Doom games? Do they get your Ronalds wriggling? That sort of, you know, just hyperkinetic, unstoppable violence sort of business. Kind of. I'm more of a third-person shooter kind that of gal, though. That there was incredible. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I hope I sound <laughs> like this forever. Um, like, I, I put down Uncharted, because I think Uncharted is a, quite a good, like, uh, Indiana Jones simulator, and that's all third-person. That's a and great shout, actually. I love those games. Yeah, and Uncharted... Four, which I think is the best one, just came out on PC, and it's a great time. You get to swashbuckle, like uh, uh, you can do a big map, and uh, I think I said when I was writing about it, like it will focus in on a castle, and it's basically doing the Skyrim thing of like, see that castle, you can climb it, and then explode it. Basically, <laughs> it's really good, um, and that's a lot of fun. But first person shooters, and I think first person things in general, I struggle to feel really cool with. Um, because I think when I'm in first person, it just feels more flailing and, and I feel more incompetent. Yeah, there's there's usually a strong note of fear in it for me as well. Yeah. I don't know why. In third person, it's fine. But in first person, like my ludicrous primate skull me, yeah. just part of it thinks I will die I because think... I'm looking at it yeah. with my own eyes, surely. Yeah. Have you ever gotten motion sick from a game? Um, yeah, a VR luge game. Obviously, it's VR, but like I quacked three times. Ooh. After that. It was it was excruciatingly bad to the extent where I haven't touched VR since. Oh, yeah, I get really bad motion sickness in VR. There was a VR driving game, and I was like, I cannot. I I have to stop after about thirty seconds. But um, a lot of people get motion sickness from first-person games, especially if they're, they're big camera shake when you're walking around. There's a, a game I played uh, recently, a horror game called... It was something like Mildred. It's a girl's name, uh, Madison. And it's first-person, and you really sway from, like, side to side, like like you're a p***head. Like, <laughs> properly. Uh, and I had, like, I had a... Um, a housemate who got um, really bad motion sickness from everything. Like uh, he couldn't play Mass Effect without taking like seasickness pills. Madison isn't odd. That sounds like a sort of a, a valley girl name, not like a spooky girl name. Yeah, it's a weird. It's, it was a weird game. A lot of it I, I really liked, and a lot of it I found very unintentionally funny. Um, but did did not make me feel cool <laughs> either way. Do you get car sick and stuff? Uh, I used to until I was given a lift somewhere by someone I fancied, and I was like, "I am not going to be sick in front of you." <laughs> so I overcame that with force of will. But if I'm in the back of a car and it's going really fast, I will. I will get a bit. That is the most Alice thing ever. You weld yourself out of car sickness. <laughs> Only partially. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, I struggled to think of things that make you feel cool in a non-sort of traditionally badass sense. If that you get where I'm coming from, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, now I can do it uh, with a measure of sincerity. Like, I do get this. 
I mean, I would say from RTSs, but the problem is I'm going to have to say Age of Empires 2 because it's the only game I've ever devoted significant time to getting good at. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's the only game I've ever cared about competing in. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I wrote a, a post or two about this on RPS, but like when I realized that I was actually better than, you know, the average bear mm. uh, and was doing, you know, not like, you know, getting to international level or anything, but was doing noticeably well in the game as a result of my practice. Yeah. I felt, I felt like a sports guy. Because I, I was always garbage <laughs> at sports at school. So I never in my life experienced the feeling of competitive like achievement. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, to be honest, I'm glad I've sort of eased up on Age of Empires 2. I think it was awakening something nasty in me. But, um, you know, something nasty that felt great. <laughs> I've never been been that good at a game, I don't think. Because I know... There is kind of a, a big thing. Oh, the games journalists aren't good at games. Most games journalists are like f- fine, uh, it, but it, but we are not as good as like streamers. Because if I'm like ninja, my job is playing Fortnite. My job, Alice Bell's job, is to play a lot of different games all the time. So I don't. I am not able to dedicate myself to getting that brilliant at a game well yeah you're the consummate i say you only because i don't do it anymore but you're the consummate jack of all trades right yeah yeah but, um, uh, master of age of empires too yeah exactly <laughs> so i don't think there's one that i've played that much like the only one i played that much of is dragon age which is quite sad and it's not something you can like master in the same way because it's, it's just an rpg in the the in the encounters are like the same every time basically can i shame myself briefly yeah do you remember when um we had that full team meeting in brighton and you caught me watching a, a pro <laughs> game of age of empires 2 what even to... it, man. no no i was really obsessed really really badly obsessed so there you go that's uh that's what pro was, i am it was during an all hands meeting in in a meeting room around a big table, and they was just watching. I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I think like someone was like standing up, was like, "What do we want RPS to be going forwards?" <laughs> and Nate was like, "Competitive castles." <laughs> I really think RPS needs to enter its castle age. <laughs> did I say that? Because if I didn't, I should have done. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, it has now with Catherine as editor. That's true, very true. Um, I I can't talk either one time. I had I used to have to go to um like for a while there they had a staff council that just became like uh, editorial members of staff bitching about like being sad about their jobs or whatever or or like not wanting to manage people or whatever for like two hours, and uh, I was because I have two screens. I was playing a game that I needed to review because I had the review, the review embargo was like that afternoon and I really wanted to finish it. (laughs) But I forgot to like separate the streams basically and they could hear the (laughs) cutscene. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. (laughs) 
the fewer the meetings you have to do at work, the better. Um, what about Factorio? That's a good one. Setting up, yeah, that was. I was sort of thinking about that, like getting processes all kind of set up and streamlined. Like, yeah. what I think is really impressive about that one is that, like, I there's there's few better feelings like than being tricked into feeling good at something you think you're hopeless at. Um, yeah. Like a kindly magician, sort of promising you you can fly. Uh, no, wait, bad analogy because it doesn't make sense. No, like when uh, a parent's pushing a kid on a bike and the kid won't let them let go and then they smugly announce they've been riding on by themselves for 30 seconds. That's what Factorio feels like because it's all, <laughs> oh, no, I've got to think about like maths and programming and stuff and, you know, my head can't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gives you, uh, like, you know, progress is made really, really iteratively through the solution of thousands of tiny problems. Mm. Each one is, each one of which is sort of causally connected to the last that you've solved. And so you sort of, you create this sort of grand genius architecture, but from an ant's eye view, bit by bit, so it never feels like you're having to do a big thing. Mm. I think that's so clever. And also why it, it's so, you know, uh, I remember Graham telling me once it's like a time machine that makes time vanish. Yeah. Yeah. I never really got into it, but I think that's why I was sort of struggling. Because like, my version of games like that would be Life Sims, like uh, Stardew Valley, where, you know, you set up a little farm and gradually your farm gets better and bigger and you, you get better at running the farm. But uh, I don't think that makes me feel cool in the same way like it doesn't feel accomplished what about the sims because how does that make you feel i don't think fan this that makes me feel disgusted at myself (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah i don't think that makes me feel cool either because like maybe actually i used to i haven't done it for a while but i used to really enjoy building like really big detailed houses like i didn't really enjoy playing the sims but I enjoyed making like nice homes in The Sims. Well, so, like, I play Planet Zoo loads just to make pretty zoo enclosures, even though it's mm, a bit of a rubbish management sim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I made I made uh, Sin, who used to work at like a little shack on on a an isolated island, um, and filled it with like things that looked like they were found items that had washed up on her island and stuff like that and then i made a whitewashed uh like hilltop cottage for alice o surrounded by ferns and with loads of like art all over the walls and stuff that one was well nice actually yeah that was a nice house well we should do one week we should do uh as a theme uh games that you refuse to play like for the reasons the developers made them or like like find weird ways to play isn't that most games you have ever played in your life, apart from Age of Empires 2? I mean, it would, it would at least be a week where you, we would be precluded from mentioning Age of Empires 2. Well, no, because that's not quite true, is it? Because I made, um, using the scenario editor, I made a, a, a musical composition game with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, stupid. <laughs> I don't think there's any game that that you can say you played entirely that you're supposed to. Like when do you play? Um, do you still drop into PUBG and pretend to be a chimp? 
not anymore, but my my goodness, that was that was fun. What a time! What a time to what be time alive! To be alive. <laughs> That's how we became friends, wasn't it? Yeah, for listeners who don't know, um, Nate released a book with Rebellion Publishing um, that was like a thousand one games that he made up. <laughs> it was the one with the little bloke alongside a card game in it. In fact, yeah, and um, uh, I interviewed him about it, and then the recording got biffed, so I had to do the same interview again, basically from memory. And then we did a, a sort of series of articles. It was before I was at RPS, where we did the same interview like every week for quite a while. <laughs> Uh, I really look forward to that. It was good, good lulls. Yeah. Um, I can't remember why this time. Yeah, but one, one of the times was talking about like different ways of playing video games and it was it was all all the ways that Nate played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds wrong. Uh, Have you ever won a, a, a Battle Royale game? Oh, never. No, I'm not good enough. No. Uh, actually, I thought so. I don't, like, I do feel cool. Um, because I love horror stuff, but I am also a bit of a coward, and and horror games I find especially scary because of that. I think the it is happening to me sort of element, you know. Yes. So I do feel quite cool in my for myself. Uh, if I, you know, whenever I complete a horror game, I'm like, yes, I did it. I am brave. Do you remember what boss you've defeated gave you the biggest sense of satisfaction? You know that feeling of, wow, I genuinely didn't think I'd ever get past that. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. The only one that's coming to me is like a boxing game that's called The Fighter, I think. And like the last boss was really annoyingly hard. But that wasn't like, it didn't make me feel cool. It just made me feel relief. Yeah. Um, mm, I don't know, actually. Because you like, you like your Dark Souls sort of business, don't you? Um, kind actually, like Bloodborne is my favorite Souls game, and I think beating um the kind of first boss in that I can't remember his name, but he's like a werewolf in a graveyard, and it took me ages to beat him. Uh, Isn't there a sort of a big idiot bug that everyone hates in that, like a fat spider or something? Probably. I'm trying I, to I think. saw my mate fighting it, and he got really angry, which he doesn't usually do. Oh. And it was just like this big, massive, sort of bloated woodlouse in a big grey lake. Yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. I, I think his name is Rom. It might be Rom. I can't remember. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're all a weird cavalcade creatures. <laughs> so yeah, I guess like maybe completing like a souls like. Make you feel cool. My favourite is Bloodborne still, but I'm not very far into Elden Ring. The word you just said there, cavalcade, that's what we should call our weekly Henry Cavill update section. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do that at the end. Yeah. Can you say, and now, cavalcade? I will, yeah. Um, yeah, but I th- like circling back, I did feel like, and I'm going to, this is jerking the curtain, but I'm going to try and keep an unbroken... Uh, streak of mentioning Saturnalia for as long as I can but I felt really cool after I completed Saturnalia because it was hard as well and it was very scary and it probably freaked my nut um, Do you think you'll play it again? Yeah because I also did really badly at it because afterwards it because it basically the braver you are the more you can discover about this Sardinian town and why it's being haunted by a monster and all this kind of stuff and 
it then turns out at the end it gives you basically a rating uh, based on how many people you saved from the town and, and how many sort of stories and stuff you uncovered. And I got an E. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But like I thought ignorance I did... is the coward's reward. I know, yeah, yeah. And but I thought I did really well because I, I basically I uncovered most things, but n- didn't kind of get them to the to the final. I didn't get them all over the line, so I got like ninety six percent completion or something. But then also just I got too scared and uh, exploded one of the four characters that you play as, so that only three of them escaped. Is that going to be your goatee, do you think? Probably, yeah. Spoilers for anyone doing the uh, the advent calendar game. Although, uh, prob- I don't know if anyone else has played it, so I don't know where it would come on the um, the advent calendar if it gets in. Oh, mm. yeah. Whoops, sorry, I ruined that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's good. People get little clues along the way. It's usually quite easy to, to predict. But I do think it's a... It, it's a genuinely brilliant kind of masterpiece of a game that made me kind of be like, oh, games are good. You know, we always joke, or always joke, there used to be a joke where it's like, oh, video games are bad. And and I played this and I was like, oh, video games are good. <laughs> <laughs> the paradigm has shifted. Yeah. Um, what else, like, because you're quite a cool dude, you know. I'm known for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else? Yeah, I guess, because the way I approached this theme was, because I think all games make me feel a bit cool or else I wouldn't play them, because, so in that sense, it's an incredibly hard topic. But So I was just trying to think of, like, the the different extremes of cool. Uh, And one that really surprised me, uh, it was a game I played for review, and honestly... I didn't think I even reviewed it that well. Um, and I've just forgotten its name. It was the one that was about like um, like jazz and the Big Bang. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, what was it called? Um, keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. So that was, it was like, actually, no, it was quite good. Um, but I, one of my flaws as a person is I'm very... I can be very anti-intellectual uh, in quite a reactionary way because Genesis, of my own... Genesis Noir. That's, that's it. it. hate that name. Um, well, yeah, because I'm really insecure. Um, so I, I always knee-jerk against, you know, stuff that's really clever because it makes me feel thick. And I was really hacked off with that game until I grudgingly realised it was quite good and that I was sort of thinking about the art in it and stuff and, yeah, you know. Oh. So if it had been any less well executed, it would have just been really pretentious. But as it was, it's sort of like the iron grip of a chimp holding your hand <laughs> led me into feeling <laughs> quite clever. Um, so, yeah, that, that I suppose is a kind of cool... Um, you know, and to be honest, like, well, you find it a lot more, obviously, with sort of, you know, what we used to call indie games. Um, and, yeah, there's not a lot of room for exploration of jazz theory in Call of Duty. Yeah. Do you get that? Because you play a lot of well-clever games. Um, 
I don't know if I do. I I have a kind of knee-jerk reaction against not games being clever, but games trying to be clever, like or games wanting you to think they're clever. Because there are definitely some that do that, and I'm trying to think of. I don't want to like be really mean about games, but there was one that I was just like, "This is, this is so inauthentic. This experience. It is you trying to sound clever. You know, bits in TV shows like um, uh, that Mike Flanagan one with the vampires on an island. That one, like, I've never know, heard of that. that sounds amazing." Uh, half of it's really good. What's it called? Midnight Mass. Um, I really liked a lot of that, but there were bits where you could just—it felt like the the show pressed pause, so like the writer could get the character to deliver a monologue of the writer's thoughts. You know, <laughs> oh, sort of Atlas Atlas shrugging it. Yeah, and but, but not about objectivism it was always about like life and death and stuff and so there are games you play sometimes where that happens and it's like this is the developer displaying what they think about you know the human experience or like relationships or connection stuff and it always and and they want you to be impressed by this you can tell and it always just feels so inauthentic and so oh i hate it I hate it because I think there's nothing wrong with being smart. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being smart, and there's nothing wrong with using big words or discussing big ideas and having big thoughts. But it's when you want someone to think you're smart that is very off-putting, and you, know you can what? instantly it, tell. I think that that well, I think show don't tell is often wrongly deployed as universal writing advice. But like in terms of advice at being clever, I think it's really good. Mm. Like better just to you know, I the, the when I have really enjoyed having a deep think in something, it's when it sort of left it open for me, mm. rather than railroading that you know you're going to be having some deep thoughts because boy, can we think deep. Um, yeah. Where I, does Disco Elysium fall on that spectrum? I was the just reason about I keep not saying it. Disco Elysium, I because I I there were some angry commenters on my review, and I I I have heard that the developers were upset because I called it like not upset, but obviously you're disappointed if reviews aren't like universally glowing, but I called it like a flawed masterpiece rather than a masterpiece, um, and I I think. M- some of it is on me and I think I went into it with kind of the wrong mindset and I will take that but also it felt like an intensely masculine game for me not in necessarily a bad way it's not bad to be masculine but in a way that I couldn't kind of connect with it but also yeah it did feel like it wanted to be smart and more than that all the people a lot not all the people a lot of the people talking about it had that kind of vibe to me as well eventually so I have weird feelings about Disco Elysium well, that's why I've not played it today, interestingly. Oh. Um, it's funny. Um, I was thinking this about China Mayville the other day. If he was marketed like he's marketed now, like mm. if he had been back in the day, I never would have ended up reading him. Yeah. Because he's really positioned himself as Litvick. But when it was like, here's an 800-page long series of descriptions of D&D monsters from the most, like, 
eloquent man you've ever encountered. <laughs> like that was that was wicked. But yeah. I uh, started reading Perdido Street Station and I think it was like a ho- I was on holiday and I didn't finish it before I left the holiday house or something like that. I've got the city in the city because everyone said that's one that I would like. But also my main thoughts about China Melville is he's really hot. Like, he's a really good looking alt author dude. He's very sexy, isn't he? <laughs> yes. He's. Uh, I'm not really usually into like beefy guys, but he's, he's, he's you know... He's also very softly spoken and Marxist as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, speaking of cool things, I've got a very cool cavern of lies for you this week. Oh, should we? Um, I bet that coat on. Yeah, I, I've, I don't know how the vocal fry is going to be when I do the, <laughs> the door creak. It's going to be good. Here we go. <laughs> The Coven of Lies! Jesus, that was loud. Um, I didn't have my um, mug to hand, so I had to bellow into a Rio tin. That's probably Oh my why. goodness. Okay. Um, welcome to my cavern. As you can see, it's a very cool nightclub with, like, you know, police line do not cross tape used as decoration. and like oh, a I back- love what you've done with the place, huh? A backlit bar, and there's loads of people dressed like drunk toddlers and they all have like cybernetic limbs and stuff yeah that's right it's cyberpunk 2077 (laughs) the coolest game um so yeah i have a collection here because you have to like this is a kind of no shirt no shoes sort of bar but but you but instead of no shirt no shoes you have to be wearing some cool cyberpunk stuff um, so I've got some a selection of outfits here that you can choose from, but one of them, one of the items of clothing, is actually a fake that is rigged to I don't know make everyone that, laugh at me, so I'm no longer cool. I was going to say like turn your brain into I don't know something cyberpunky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to you've got to pick the fake from amongst the reallys, and I've. I've picked I've picked a, a lot of ones that like for some inexplicable reason have quite different skins for a uh, masculine or or feminine V so they look quite different. <laughs> yeah. Um all right so first up elastic flame resistant rocker pants. So if you've picked a a doodly V they're just sort of like Leatherish trousers, um, sort of somewhere between leather and, and denim. Uh, and if you're a girl V, they're just black Daisy Dukes. So they're not pants, they're shorts. Do a lot of things magically just get shorter if, you, if you're a feminine V? Um, not always. Sometimes they just sort of get weirder. A lot of the time shorter. Um, there's nothing that I think really looks like stupider on a male V that I found which is unfortunate um okay and the, 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 the does the flame retardant thing have a an actual effect in game I assume so what the because I haven't written down all the stats but the thing is like in cyberpunk it's all first person so you don't really see what you're wearing a lot of the time and uh we were all sort of 
because it does say like this affects your like stats kind of thing and they do have stats so we were all just like wearing a mishmash of whatever had the best stats but then ollie who is the guides editor for rps said like you don't like as far as i've worked out for every 10 points of armor you have you get plus one like damage resistance basically so it doesn't really affect it that much so you could just wear what you wanted <laughs> but uh, yeah um okay uh it's not quite tame i think that's believable okay uh ultra thin composite media coat slash coat and skirt so on the the masculine v it's it's dark green it's like a um like a sherpa coat do you know what i mean a like, coat yeah, yeah. Uh, so the body is like dark green, but sort of shiny looking. Um, and it has a black sheepskin looking collar. And for the women, it's uh, like the jacket is is short. So rather than like knee length, it's sort of like waist length with three quarter sleeves over a matching pencil skirt dress. And instead of green, for some reason, it's sort of peachy. You're very good at describing clothes. Thanks. Um, do you know what? I think that's real because if you'd been trying to bait me, you would have said it was a Bane coat in the first instance because that would have made me more excited. <laughs> well, I might not have remembered that that's what Bane. Yeah, nah, yeah, you, you, you can't, you can't, can't forget Bane. Naivety, mate. Uh, All got Bane on the brain. All right, on the next dummy along is the polycarbonate nomad shirt with reinforced seams um this is the same for both v's it's like an off-white um uh sleeveless vest a tank top that's what you call it with a design on it that's like um it could be like the front of a red truck sort of mid jump or it could be a fist it's sort of an abstract red and black thing uh Next, we've got the corporate blazer with bulletproof lining. Um, for dudes, it's just a pinstripe blazer. Um, and uh, on chicks, it's like a... It's still sort of the blazer, but like the blazer bit is kind of an off-the-shoulder number over, over a white shirt. and Like the, a bolero sort of thing? Or... Uh, hang on, I have to look up that. <laughs> the, well, a little like, short jacket. No, 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 no. It's a, it's full length, um, but it's off the shoulder. Oh, right. Okay, I see. Like, like this pinstriped bit, it does not go over the shoulders. Um, it's still over a white shirt, but and it also has like black leather sort of shoulder pads. Okay, it's, it's very weird. I'm freaking out a bit now because all of this sounds very real. Um. Next is the multi-layered maroon scales, sin-coated bomber, sin spelt S-Y-N. Is that an in-game material? I guess. It's a bomber jacket. This one I would wear. This one I would wear. It's a bomber jacket with white sleeves and then a maroon body with kind of black accents. So like the little collar is black and stuff. And the maroon body does have a sort of fish scale effect. The girl version is sort of a cutoff. Like a bolero, I would guess. Um, uh, and yeah, I would wear it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds sick. And then last is the armor weave rocker. <laughs> the 
the rocker bra slash t-shirt. It is a black underwired bra, but like the cups sort of aren't joined at the front. Uh, I would guess negligible. Like Morpheus glasses, but for your t***s. Yes, kind of. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm really having a hard time with the mechanics lab. I guess it's the future. So it's got the underwiring. The underwiring goes all the way around. Uh, but the cups sort of only, only, like, they don't join together at the front. So they're like, they're, they're on the underwiring, but not stuck to each other, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. What about for geezers? For geezers, I think this is one of my favourite. The dude version is like a black tank top has F U and then K on it in like red graffiti font and then the C is obscured by like a hand doing the middle finger so it actually looks like it said it, it reads like F U I K Fuick <laughs> What like like the film um Sir Seven um uh Kinda like the C, the C isn't on there. It's basic. So there's like a uh, a fist doing the middle finger, and then either side of the middle finger is an F U on one side, and then a K on the other. But the finger obviously just looks like an I, so it reads as Fuick. Oh yeah, that that is sounding very real. That's it. That's such a, a trivial but but believable error. Um, Alice, this was an impossible cavern. It was quite tough, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I applaud that. This is a, after all, um, a sport. Oh, how many fakes in there? Two. One. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah. Um, can you so just we- give me one-liners for all of them again? Okay, so the elastic flame-resistant rocker pants, they're like kind of trousers, but uh, on women, they're black Daisy Dukes. The ultra-thin composite media coat slash coat and skirt, which for... Dudes is like a dark green uh, Bane coat, but for some reason for women is a dress with a matching jacket in an entirely different colour. Um, there's the polycarbonate Nomad shirt with reinforced seams, which is uh, an off-white tank top with like a red kind of graphic on it. Corporate blazer with bulletproof lining, which is a blazer or an off-the-shoulder blazer. Uh, and then... There's the multi-layered marine scale syn-coated bomber, which is the marine bomber jacket I would wear. And then there's the armor wave rocker bra, which is either a bra or a profane t-shirt. Now, since I've got next to no knowledge of the game, I'm going to turn off the targeting computer here. Oh. And just go with what my heart told me about the way you presented each item. Because uh, I, I have to say, whichever one was fake, like, you... you you know, you've blended seamlessly uh, with the way the game's doing things. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to... I think the Bane coat was a was a little psychic tip-off, uh, so that one's real. I think we just sort of hurried past the off-the-shoulder tank top thing. No, what, what did you call it, the tank top one? There's, there's the polycarbonate Nomad shirt with reinforced seams, which is an off-white tank top with a like a red graphic design on it. And then there's the corporate blazer with bulletproof lining, which is an off-the-shoulder pinstripe blazer. Oh, okay. So it's the one with the red wasp name on it. I just yeah. felt you just sort of said it, and it seemed quite inoffensive, and I just um, accepted it. And there was the nice detail about the thing that might be in the front of a truck or a fist. 
But you know what, Alice? I don't think trucks and fists do look that alike. <laughs> I think this is the wolf. You think that's what you're putting it on? Oh no, you're not putting it on. You're you're. I am going to put it on. Oh, you're going to put it on to make a fashion statement. And if it's real, that's going to be the fashion in Night City. It is real. Yeah. Well, at least I'm fashionable, but I'm going to get laughed at. Yeah, I'll give you another chance if you want, because this was a tough one. Thank you. Um, do you know what? I think the blazer is the other one. Well, the, the one. No, it's that's real as well, I'm afraid. Oh, c- come on, Belle. How have you done this? It was, the bane, it was the bane coat. <laughs> you be kidding me seriously yeah i just what well, my plan was like i'm just gonna seed loads of the they look different on girls and boys and then do one that was absurdly different and and count on you thinking that was so absurdly different that it wouldn't be real i wasn't even working on that level i was just thinking <laughs> bane's funny he is <laughs> funny should have called it a bane coat oh that that was yeah, I have to take my hat off to you. Well, my, my futuristic side yeah. You were playing on a different level to me today. The Red Baron's back. <laughs> this was a tough one, though. It was quite an unfair one. Um, get out of this bar. Oh, shame I don't have the cyberpunk soundboard. Well, shame for everyone in the world who's me. <laughs> Thank you, Nate, uh, for discussing very cool games with me today. All that is left is, uh, first of all, there are three things left, in fact. Um, let me just bring bring this up. Uh, Jeffrey Card, friend of the show, Jeffrey Card, who uh, is also a developer, has emailed in, emailed in ages ago, actually, uh, when we were talking about eco games, uh, saying, my favourite eco-themed game is Island Saver. Uh, what's amazing about it is the title is actually a pun. The game is partially about saving an island in the environmental sense, but it is just as much about the miracle of compound interest. Seriously? <laughs> while playing it, my daughter was learning about saving an island while also learning about saving her money. I wondered what in the world led to this ungodly chimeric freak of nature. So I looked up the game on Wikipedia and this was the first sentence. Island Saver is a free-to-play action game developed by Scottish studio Stormcloud Games, published by NatWest. <laughs> So in that my so weird. So in my mind, some scrappy indie game developer really wanted to make an educational game about the environment, but the only people they could get to fund it were a bank. But they went for it. And you know what? The game is actually pretty fun. Thank you, Jeffrey. And if you worked on Island Saver and happened to listen to this this podcast, let us know. Is that the story behind Island Saver? That is wild. Isn't it? Banks. There's yeah. game publishers, but Publishers for nice little games. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. Uh, second, of course, is time for the update on Vitamin H, the Vit, the Cavalcade. Yes. Uh, not many updates. Obviously, he's sad about leaving. I'm going by his Instagram. He's doing some promo for um, Enola Holmes 2, in which he's Sherlock Holmes, a very beefy Sherlock. Um uh, he's sad about leaving The Witcher. He's also appears to be advertising something called Number Number One Botanicals, which are like botanical mixer water. Like there's rosemary water, ginger water, lemon verbena water. So there's I'm not sure. 
Ooh, you could mix it with one of Ryan Reynolds's gins and just have a very yeah. lo- a lovely man drink. The the website is quite good. It's got him like getting on and off a sailing boat and walking around some town and pretending to sail the boat and stuff. Being in peak condition is a vital part of actor Henry Cavill's job and having discovered number one botanicals rosemary water on set, he wanted to know more about our superpowered herbs. Watch his journey of discovery here. So Henners, the vit, has uh yeah, he's discovered rosemary water in Italy. <laughs> um what is it, it isn't a promotional deal, it's completely sincere. He just maybe wants it is. to know. I've got to look into it. I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> We should get uh, some, see if it's the new Rio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I doubt it. I don't know if rosemary water is as delicious as Rio Tropical. Uh, and finally, this week, uh, we're going to do recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. My recommendation this week is a nearly four-hour uh, YouTube video essay because you know I love the video essay by Jenny Nicholson. It's called uh, Evermore, the theme park that never was. And it's the it's a deep analysis of this sort of immersive experience park in uh, Utah that is meant to be sort of like, you know, going into Skyrim in real life. You go around this park and you talk to actors and do quests and stuff, but it has a storied and hilarious kind of and slightly tragic kind of um, development process. And it's a really interesting video. And very it sounds funny. like a Defunct Land video, but it's not. Defunct Land right. does a voice in it. <laughs> I didn't realise there was such a, a thriving YouTube community of like failed theme park commentators. That's great. Yeah, well, J- Jenny Nicholson does uh, other pop culture stuff as well. She's she also has a really great video on a church in Canada that does like pop culture themed Easter plays. Uh, which is really good if you want to see someone dressed as Iron Man get crucified by Loki. Uh, I don't think I've ever wanted anything more. I think I could reignite interest in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, check that video out. Link's in the show notes. What are you going to recommend this week, Nate? Uh, It's not a new thing, but it's a good thing. Uh, I was just a bit bored during the week and uh, was looking around on Netflix for comedies that weren't Um, and decided to chance White Gold. Have you seen that? I have. Uh, It's about um, double glazing salesmen in the 80s. Um, And it's really good. Uh, It's also sort of a competent drama as well as being really funny. It, It does an odd thing of like making a completely like despicable human being, the main character, and rewarding him for all of his sins, uh, which is weird for a feel-good comedy. It is, um, isn't it? But, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's really funny. The soundtrack is also incredible. It's genuinely, like, probably the, the hundred best songs, uh, well, pop songs that came out in the five years preceding 1983 when it's set. So, uh, some, yeah, really nice jams on there as well. Uh, the only thing I really remember about it is that your man from The Inbetweeners is in it. Yeah, and this was a milestone for me because um, I used to perform with him at uni and like several of those guys and spent the next decade feeling like a donkey um, 
that I'd been to in proximity to so much talent had, had completely failed to get anywhere myself. Um, but now I'm old and not a wack anymore, so it's just nice to see funny men. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you very much. And thank you to you, listener, for sticking with us for this episode 207 of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast for games that make you feel really cool. Um, do listen next week as well. Uh, you can check out Rock Paper Shotgun on many of your favorite social medias, including Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter for however long it exists. Just search Rock Paper Shotgun and you will find us. Uh, you can also join the Discord. The link's in the show notes where there are many channels for discussing PC games and you know finding people to play games with and there's also a channel for talking about the podcast although it is now mostly talking about brutalism and fish um, uh, and uh, you can buy some merch as well and you can email in if like Jeffrey you want to share some interesting game tidbits to podcast at rockpapershotgun.com uh, but for all your PC gaming needs just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com and we will see you next week because for now it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Lobster with a Gun. Snap on, boys. Oh, he's a New York gangster, Lobster. <laughs>